Good afternoon. Welcome. Glad you're with us. It's midday. I'm Tom Hall. My first guest today is Baltimore County Executive Johnny Olszewski, Jr. Violent crime was down in the county last year, as it was in Baltimore City and in jurisdictions around the country. Funding for transportation projects will be down this year, which was a concern of the county executive when he appeared before legislators in Annapolis recently. Mr. Olszewski has proposed a new regulatory process for mixed-use development in the county and efforts to build affordable housing in an historically black neighborhood are met with resistance from some residents. We'll talk about these and other issues in Baltimore County. You are welcome to join us. We'll try to work in your emails and calls, 410-662-8780, our email midday at wipr.org. Mr. County Executive, welcome back. Tom, always good to be on. Thanks for having me. Sure, and Happy New Year. Um, this is a very different year. Uh, the uh, legislative priorities that you uh, outlined uh, in Annapolis, uh, were done in the in the context of uh, a, a very different climate. You uh, even referred to it in a story that uh, our colleague John Lee did uh, about a perfect storm when it comes to money this year. What's going on? Yeah, this is truly a different year. Uh, Governor Moore has said uh, pretty consistently that the state is looking at a season of discipline. He's also said at prior Maryland Association of County events, which I now have the honor of serving as president, representing my peers across the state, uh, he, the governor had said that when the state catches a cold, local governments catch the flu. And so we're, we're bracing for what might be coming, uh, but we're also looking forward to staying in partnership with the governor and with legislative leaders this session. Uh, we know that you know, part of the challenge is that the state has their own structural deficit that they are seeking to address. That speaks nothing of the transportation shortfalls that have been well covered uh, by your station. Uh, but you couple state support and the potential shrinking of that with the ending of the federal support dollars that local governments are seeing dry up. And of course, just the general increase of the cost of doing business, uh, inflation, energy, other things costing more. It really is, uh, as, as I said to your colleague, uh, a perfect storm in many respects in terms of the challenges that we're facing together. Uh, and so we're, with that in mind, that's how we're tackling and approaching this upcoming legislative session. Governor Moore uh, unveiled his budget proposal a few days ago. It did not include any tax increases. Is that something that's uh, on the table for you? You know, I have always said that uh, that raising revenue should be an absolute last resort. Uh, we are very proud of the ways in which we've made historic investments the past several years uh, without having to rely on additional revenue sources to do so. Uh, pretty historic investments, both on the operating side and public safety and education, but also in our capital construction program, uh, really unprecedented investment in recreation parks and schools and public safety buildings. Uh, we look forward to engaging our public, uh, as we always do through our town hall series that we'll be kicking off in the weeks ahead to listen to uh, the priorities of our residents, but also share the status of our current budget. Um, you know, we are looking forward to doing all that we can to secure resources from the state um, on those capital investments. You know, for example, we were grateful for money included in Governor Moore's budget around the Pikesville Armory and uh, investments around recreation and library services in Randallstown. However, there were many other capital projects that weren't funded, and then we're going to have to find those resources to continue progress on um, promises and investments that we're making uh, all across Baltimore County. Uh, obviously, looking at transportation services and things like uh, the funding of medi medically assisted treatment in our jails, 
uh, things that were a state mandate but have never been funded through the state and that we're trying to continue providing uh, those services here in the county. Transportation in particular uh, has been in the news. The governor had originally uh, proposed some $3.3 billion in cuts. He restored $150 million of that uh, a week or so ago. What would the county lose uh, specifically if the transportation uh, dollars that you were counting on don't materialize from the state? You know, I have to say from Baltimore County's perspective, we really are grateful for the funding that was put forward as a one-time solution, particularly as it relates to the MTA services that all of the residents of greater Baltimore rely on. But from an operational perspective, it really is just both a one-time patch. Um, it doesn't address the structural longstanding challenges. And unfortunately, really Baltimore County has been advocating for some time, certainly the five years I've been county executive for additional resources. Uh, just case in point, the highway user revenues that are talked about a lot through the budget reductions that were proposed by MDOT, uh, Baltimore County, before the cuts uh, in the 2009 recession, Baltimore County was receiving $45 million annually to help invest in our sidewalks, our roads, our bridges. Uh, even with the restoration, we went from $11 million to $13.75. Uh, so that's still $31 million every year the county has been uh, not getting from the state in terms of highway and bridge and sidewalk support. Uh, that's a you know over $30 million annually. That's led up to cumulatively uh, almost $450 million in some. And so putting that in perspective, that's about how much uh, a recent analysis said it would take to get all of our roads up to just average condition throughout Baltimore County, uh, saying nothing of investments needed in bridges and sidewalks. Um, and that's just the highway user. Um, we also have programs like LOTS, the Local Operated Transit Services, um, that support programs like County Ride, which is now free in Baltimore County, offered on Saturdays, um, our first fixed route transit service in the Towson Loop. Uh, we want to expand and extend those kinds of services, but the LOTS program uh, for Baltimore County has always been at about $400,000 a year. Uh, we've always asked for more so that we have more partnership uh, in investing more. Uh, unfortunately, compared to jurisdictions like Montgomery County, which is the, the largest, we're the third largest, uh, they get 100 times more than Baltimore County. Uh, they get $40 million annually. So um, those disparities in funding still exist even with the restoration. So we're at the table um, trying to work with this administration, and they have been very available to us. Uh, however, we're telling them and legislative leaders that we not only need a sustainable um, solution for the cuts that were proposed, but we also need to have the county being uh, more top of mind in terms of some of the cuts uh, and reductions and limited funding that we've received over the years being increased. John Olszewski Jr. is my guest. It's midday. I'm Tom Hall. Mr. Olszewski is the county executive of Baltimore County in his second term. Um, uh, Mr. County Executive, I want to ask you about a proposal uh, that you are uh, putting forth to change the way uh, certain projects are approved by the county, uh, having to do with mixed-use development. So mixed-use means, uh, you know, housing, retail, uh, thing, things that are often near uh, transit access or major employers. You're saying that uh, it, it would be a better uh, way to run the railroad here if the uh, county council itself were not involved in those decisions. Let the planning board evaluate and approve these projects rather than the council as a whole. Uh, it's no surprise that several members of the council don't think that's a very good idea. Why do you think it is 
a good idea to change the way these mixed-use projects are evaluated. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity to talk about the mixed-use legislation we have uh, before the council. Uh, I'll first just say that the legislation is very much consistent with our now award-winning Master Plan 2030 from the state uh, and fulfills recommendations of our county's affordable housing work group. This is really about uh, creating mixed-use development zones in counties' business areas that have been, frankly, allowed to uh, sort of wither as we haven't kept pace with a changing economy. Um, you know, Baltimore County is one of, I think, a few jurisdictions that doesn't have any mixed-use zoning uh, allowances currently in our uh, zoning structure. And so in some respects, we're actually behind the ball and we're trying to, to catch up to promote smart growth, encourage economic revitalization in these corridors, uh, and support the creation of attainable housing by allowing for these types of mixed-use um, opportunities. Uh, really about modernizing. We've been very good about limiting where development goes. I'm very proud that we've held the line on our urban-rural demarcation line so that we don't have development sprawling out into the rest of the county. But we have to be thinking about how can we redevelop and create opportunities for reinvestment in our existing hubs and our nodes, uh, especially those shopping centers that have been allowed to uh, languish and, and really aren't at their fullest potential. I just want to be clear that this is legislation that is only that is asking affirmatively uh, the council to sign off and support just the opportunity for that mixed use designation in these nodes identified in our master plan anchored by data uh, and that you know even with passage of the legislation the development process remains uh, very much in place and so to the extent there are concerns or needs around school capacity water and sewer um road capacity all of those concerns uh, can and should and would be addressed through the development process uh, there would still be community meetings there would still be uh you know again reviews this doesn't sort of guarantee a development uh, it just allows for the application of a mixed use redevelopment of these sites that frankly are very much in need and, and it's a tool that we think would be very helpful uh, in moving our county forward because there are a lot of people who don't think the process would remain the same. We have a listener in uh, Timonium, Shawin, uh, who says, for example, uh, the uh, proposal to build 450 residential units near the uh, light rail in uh, Lutherville on West Ridgely Road. It's a, uh, opposed by the neighborhoods. They're worried about density. The councilman for that district opposes it. Uh, but uh, this person calls it a power grab for you uh, to simply... Uh, you know, avoid any involvement of the county council uh, through this kind of proposal. So there, there's, a, there's a sense that, uh, you know, uh, excluding the county council from uh, this, this process at this point in the process uh, is not transparent. It's not, uh, it, it, it's, it's not the same process as people have uh, come to be used to over the years. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that I would submit um, that part of the conversation, it really is about clarifying that this does not remove or change any of the development review processes. Um, I would suggest that I am not interested and my, my team is not interested in seeing any development move forward that is inconsistent with what our um, communities can bear in terms of uh, school capacity, roadways, water and sewer. Um, nothing and that will change with this other than the consideration of allowing housing to be associated with commercial units. Um, I would say that what's interesting in all of this conversation is that there are 
uh, good government and other community groups throughout Baltimore County that actually are weighing in strongly in support of this legislation because they believe that uh, the planning board, uh, economic development experts, our planning department, um, those are the ones who should be doing the reviews of the development and getting away from individual members of council uh, throughout the county having singular oversight over projects for, for better and worse. Um, and so in this case, um, again, I would just say to folks who are concerned, uh, particularly in that Lutherville community, uh, I want to assure them that any consideration um, upon passage of this bill would absolutely include community input, uh, would include thoughtful and thorough reviews of school capacity, uh, roadway capacity, water and sewer capacity, and that the professionals um, who would review in these very specific nodes that are, again, aligned with the master plan um, would not sign off on any project that was inconsistent with what uh, our infrastructure could bear. And is it fair to say at this point in the process that you support the idea of uh, adding these 450 units of residential housing uh, on West Ridgely Road? I think it would be fair to say that I believe that we need more transit-oriented development and that rail stations are clearly a place where we should be thinking about um, having mixed use and not just having big box commercial sites next to transit locations. Uh, I, I think it would be premature to weigh in on a number of units or a layout or a design. That's what the development process is for, uh, to ensure that it's, it's right-sized, it's the right scope. Um, and, and again, you know, there's no even conversation currently because, um, you know, candidly, without the zoning, um, those conversations can't even happen. And so, you know, truly, we think that this is taking a larger picture view of what the county needs. Um, again, consistent with what has been a long um, term conversation with community members, data analysis. The master plan has taken years of community feedback. Thousands of residents have engaged in that. Uh, and so that really is what's informing the underlying legislation uh, that's now before the county council. And it's not bypassing the council because by nature of, of introducing the legislation, we're actually asking the council to adopt the principles of what's being uh, proposed in the legislation aligned with our award-winning master plan. Speaking of the council, you've often spoken about uh, your support to the notion of expanding the number of people uh, on the county council. Uh, do you think it should be expanded by how many? Two people? Four people? Uh, should there be at-large council members, maybe even a council president that's rather than elected by the council itself, it's actually elected by uh, voters in the county, countywide? Uh, what's your take on that? Yeah, the good news is at my urging, there is now a council expansion work group that is actively having meetings and is exploring all of those considerations relative to an expanded council. Uh, I look forward to seeing their recommendations. Uh, but what I will say is that I, I personally absolutely support uh, the expansion of our council uh, as a concept. I think we as a county have uh, grown tremendously in terms of population since the form of charter government. Uh, our council has not changed to reflect that growth. Uh, we have um, grown incredibly in our diversity, um, and, you know, unfortunately, uh, we would like to see um, more of that diversity reflected in our, our representation across the board. I'm proud to have probably the most um, diverse administration in Baltimore County's history, um, but we have also sought, sought ways to uh, support 
more access to residents having representation that is closer to them, that is more reflective of our population, uh, and that is aligned with the time. So in addition to supporting a council expansion, I'm also very proud of our efforts uh, to create the county's uh, public financing of elections. So if you couple, for example, additional seats with the opportunity to uh, have publicly financed elections, we believe very strongly that you will have uh, more women, more candidates of color, really have access to running for offices as both county executive and the council, and to be successful in those efforts, to have those voices actively in the governing conversation. Uh, I have to say, it's really made me a stronger leader by having those diverse voices around the leadership table um, on the administrative side. Let's talk a little bit about crime. That's always high on people's minds. The homicide numbers, the non-fatal shooting numbers, the robbery numbers, the assault numbers in Baltimore County, way down. Uh, there are some numbers that are up. Carjackings, uh, they're also up in the city and uh, here in Baltimore City, and they're up around the country. Burglaries up uh, slightly, and vehicle thefts, which is regular thefts that are not carjackings, that are not violent crimes, those are also way up, although uh, you're under 5,000, which is, uh, you know, less than half uh, the number we've had of cars stolen here in the city. Um, what do you attribute uh, both the rise and the fall of uh, some of those some of those numbers, and are there any specific things that uh, you uh, and the police department are going to be doing to, uh, to adjust your game? Yeah, I want to applaud um, everyone in county government, uh, particularly our police department, for the work that they're doing, uh, especially on the violent offenses and the homicides and non-fatals. Uh, in addition to the reductions year over year from uh, 2022 to 2023, if you looked even further back, uh, we've experienced almost a 50% reduction from 2021, in addition to this 15% year over year reduction in homicides. Um, we, we know that one loss of life is one too many. Uh, but I also would point to per capita numbers. Uh, if folks look across the country, across the state, uh, we are significantly safer uh, from that perspective from uh, the country. Uh, the country has a, a per capita number of 6.3 per 100,000 residents. The state of Maryland is at 8.5. Baltimore County is at 3.4. Um, so very proud that Baltimore County is an incredibly safe place to live, work, and raise a family. Of course, where there are... Um, you know, other increases, and we've, we're seeing, unfortunately, vehicle theft is a problem across the country, particularly with the TikToks and the Hyundai Kia um, ease of stealing and, and the promotion of it on social media. Uh, but, you know, in all things, um, working with uh, the police chief, Rob McCullough, uh, our recreation and parks departments, um, summer youth works programming to make those holistic investments. It's both supporting our police department and investing in public safety, but also recognizing that the best way to um, lower crime is to prevent it from happening in the first place. Uh, on things like vehicle theft, we're intentional about uh, partnering with communities uh, to do uh, wheel lock distributions, to get upgrades on um, software within the vehicles. And also some of it is just promoting um, common sense to remind our residents not to leave their cars running, um, not to leave their cars unlocked. Uh, simple things that actually, believe it or not, make a big difference on on the numbers. And so, uh, very proud of the work. Always going to always want to try to find ways to do better. And we think that can and will be done through a combination of investing in our law enforcement uh, work, but also in those upstream 
um, opportunities for our young people and for our communities. Just have a few minutes left. Let me ask you about affordable housing, particularly in East Towson. Uh, this is a historically black neighborhood. You've got some neighbors there uh, against uh, building some affordable housing there. There's a a uh, nonprofit called Homes for America that's behind the efforts to try to add some more affordable housing to uh, to the list of options for people in the county. Uh, where does that stand, and where do you stand uh, on that development? Yeah, we know that we need to have more attainable housing throughout Baltimore County. Um, and for me, attainable housing means housing that is both affordable but also high quality, that's connected to transportation, good schools, uh, recreation, and parks. That's really what we're pushing for in all of our work. Uh, that that project in particular, we know, is uh, still in the Court of Appeals. We're awaiting a decision as to whether or not um, it will proceed. But uh, our administration has been pretty consistently uh, committed to finding ways to advance uh, that attainable housing need across the county. I think certainly the mixed use uh, legislation is another really important step forward. And candidly, uh, might be a way that in the future we can avoid um, sort of one-off conversations about projects where we have some more certainty, at least about the places where um, we're trying to reimagine some of these sites. But uh, again, we always try to listen to our, our residents uh, to the extent we can to address concerns that are out there. Uh, we're very proud to have made some significant investments in East Towson. We want to continue those investments. It is an incredible community with um, very strong leadership. Uh, and so uh, while we await the decision on the actual project, uh, we're going to continue to, to dialogue and make investments in East Towson. A listener, Anna, asks, where do you stand on the proposed location for the seven-story building called Red Maple Place? I think that was the project you had just referenced. And so, uh, oh, it's we the same waiting. one? I didn't realize. Yeah, that Red that Maple I, Place is actually the had a name. Yep. Okay, forgive me. That's my fault. Um, we just have a, a minute or two left. Um, have you spoken to Congressman Dutch Ruppersberger about his intentions? Uh, he's got 17 days to file. Uh, for re-election to the Congress. Uh, he has not made a public decision. Has he given you any indication? Because that's uh, a seat that, uh, you know, most folks assume uh, you'd be quite interested in pursuing. Yeah, uh, Congressman Ruppersberger is a, a close friend. I've known Dutch for a very long time. Uh, I've been a big supporter of his. I'm grateful for his support and encouragement and mentorship. Uh, we have not communicated about any official decisions. Uh, I know that he is... Uh, shared to me uh, in our conversations that he'll be making a decision sometime before the filing deadline, which, as you pointed out, is is approaching. Uh, but I'll just say, you know, I'm very, very humbled and grateful for the opportunity to do the work we're doing here. Uh, but if there is an opportunity to amplify, promote, or extend what we're doing in Baltimore County, certainly something we would uh, strongly consider. Uh, and so that's something that we would take a, a very strong look at um, should Congre Congressman Ruppersberger choose not to run for a 12th term. But uh, Really, again, in the meantime, it's uh, heads down, continuing the great work, um, investing in education, uh, recreation and parks and public safety, making a difference for Baltimore County. And when it comes to running for Congress, it, it's, it, do you think it's late in the game to get into the game uh, if, uh, in fact, uh, Dutch Burgers decides uh, not to pursue uh, re-election at this point, middle of February? Uh, you know, I, I think um, for me... Um, People know me, and they know my record. They know what I stand for. They know that uh, we have made Baltimore County more open, accessible, and connected than it's ever been before, that we've made those record investments in education and public safety, recreation, and parks. And uh, in any role I hold, I hope that folks know, know and trust that uh, I'll take that same approach in whatever title I have um, at any point in the future. 
Johnny Olszewski Jr. is the Baltimore County Executive. Thanks so much, sir. Always a pleasure, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Tom. Have a great day, everybody. Up next, another installment in our occasional series, Midday on Ethics. Dr. Jeffrey Kahn of the Johns Hopkins Berman Institute of Bioethics joins me on the other side of a quick break. It's Midday. I'm Tom Hall. Stick around. This is Baltimore's NPR News Station, 88.1 WYPR.